0: Joining us right now is Masson's man of leisure this week. And that that means he's only going to write about 20,000 words from home rather than San Diego. Joining us now is Steve Molesky. Steve, how are you, buddy?
1: Man, I didn't hear Heist mention the Vegas Golden Knights. Well,
2: yeah, well, I'm sorry, Steve, but you know, once we We didn't play them, did we? Well, no, but they made a trade with the Knights and they sent Chandler Stevenson, who was a big part of the Caps playoff run, to the Cup. Uh, they sent him out to to Vegas, and what what does Chandler Stevenson do? The first game winds up getting a very important goal for the Golden Knights in their game. Uh, he, uh, well, they were here. Man, you put East.
1: on that Vegas jersey and you just rise your level of play, buddy. Is that what it is? Do you That's have a, what it is. Ev-
2: have, evidently, that didn't happen in the Stanley Cup playoffs.
1: Well, <laughs> uh, I don't remember how that all worked out. Nah, yeah.
2: <laughs> do you own a,
0: a Las Vegas Golden Knights uh, jersey?
1: I own a hat. Okay. I haven't plunged to Ver Jersey yet. All Maybe right. when I go out there very soon on vacation, I might have to add one. All yeah.
0: right, sounds good, Stevie. First of all, are you are you happy that you're not going out to San Diego for the winter meetings, or would you rather be in the Am would I you happy? rather I'm be ecstatic, in the thick, yes. of, thick of nothingness?
1: Am I happy? I I don't know how to answer that one. All I'm right. just I'm, I will be watching on the couch, happily watching. Uh, MLB Network, and I'll be on Masson for a couple shows next week, so I'm looking forward to well, it. And
2: you can't even argue about the weather, because you, you, even if it's 72 degrees year-round like it is in San Diego, you wouldn't be able to get outside to enjoy it anyhow.
1: <laughs> Last time the winter meetings were there, yeah, uh, we did not, which if I were going this time, I would, I would make sure to leave the hotel. I mean, there's just too, San Diego is just too nice.
0: You know, I went to the. First, I think it was the second winter meetings I ever attended were 1985 out in San Diego, and they were at. I forget what hotel they were at, but it wasn't a gigantic place. But all everybody, I remember, we were all outside in the morning, like outside the outside the pool. But it was about forty degrees out there, and all of a sudden, we're all to, all the scouts and the GMs were all talking. Richard Justice was there, and for the Orioles, you know, covering the Orioles, and it starts snowing for you know about a half hour. There was flakes coming down in San Diego. How about that? Uh, um, Steve, I wanted to pose you the same question I posed to uh, Kyle Ottenheimer, who's our producer today, and Craig Heist. Would you be in favor or think it would be wise of MLB to change the sort of either one of two rules regarding the winter baseball meetings, either move them up about 10 days before Thanksgiving or just simply sort of say – we're not having any business of player acquisitions, free agents in the month of November and set up the winter baseball meetings for like a nonstop smorgasbord of action because too often everybody goes out there, they send reporters out there, the industry spends a lot of money covering these things and there's nothing that happens.
1: Uh, I, I, no, I, I like it the way you it is. I don't think it you is. need to change a thing. And uh-huh. I, I think this year will be really busy. Last year was not, but it was to me it was an outlier. Most years the winter meetings have a lot going on. And most years involving the, the Orioles, it hasn't. I mean, I don't remember a big deal they made there last since the J.J. J. Hardy trade. Um, but I, I don't think um, I think around the industry right. nationally, there's always some big stuff going on this year. And this year might be a bombshell. I mean, with Garrett Cole, and all kinds of things going on. So I I think that the this winter meetings look busy to me. It's it's picked up. There's been more action in in baseball, you know, leading into it than last year, and it was really quiet last year. But yeah. to me, that was the uh, exception, not the rule. All right,
0: we're talking with Steve Molesky from massinsports.com.
2: Well, Steve, let me ask you this: in the in the last week, uh, we've seen the trade of uh, Jonathan VR and we've also seen the uh, trade of uh, Dylan Bundy. Now, with what the Orioles got back from the Angels for Bundy, uh one of those players uh is is one of their top 30 prospects, but I don't think this is an I know you're doing your blogs and things of that nature, but uh, you know, this is something that the fans have not really taken too well to over the last uh week here. What what has been your general General reaction to the fans' reaction.
1: <laughs> I mean, I I think some fa- some fans overreacted on VR, and I and I think um, you know I think it came down to, and I think most of MLB agreed with the Orioles by not claiming him on waivers. Is that ten million <clears throat> was too much? I mean, VR had a great year, and he's going to earn the millions uh, he'll get, um, and you know the best year of his life. Uh-huh. Um, but the two years before that were very mediocre. So, I mean, you could go back three seasons and say most of the time he's played, he hasn't played to that level. And last year he didn't play that level till the second half. But, again, I'm not taking it away from him. He was great, fun to watch, and all of the above. And they still lost 108 games with him having the year of his life. So I think Elias looked at that and said he has only one year of team control. It's $10 million. Yep. We're probably not going to get – He's probably not going to be here when we're winning again, and we could look at someone else for a lot less money and do something else with those dollars. So, um, you know, this is not a surprising game plan. It's happened in other places like Houston where, you know, they shed some payroll and and they bottomed it out a little bit. And, you know, the Bundy trade surprised me a little bit, but I think also they looked at he has two years so he could bring more in prospects. And I think they feel like they got four top 40 or something. I believe Van Grass ranked all four. So they pulled trigger on that one too.
0: Steve Molesky is our guest. Steve, long shot, I know. But could you see the price on free agent pitcher Andrew Kashner getting to any level that the Orioles would say, hey, we can pick this guy up for $6 million for two years, something like that. that that as a stabilizing force that he could fall in their laps? I mean, because I don't see him getting anywhere near, like, the seven and a million, $8 million figure he was working on.
1: I have a hard time seeing him sign any pitcher to two years, but maybe they would. Um, I just think they're clearing the decks for Louther and Wells and Bauman and Aiken and later Grayson Rodriguez and all those guys to have chances when they're ready. And they're going to, the next, you know, if you want to talk about the rebuild, it's going to rise or fall most likely on those pitching prospects over the next two to three years.
0: So I guess my, I guess the way to ask that question really would be, suppose he fell in their laps at $3 yeah, million for, one year, for one year. For one year.
1: I mean, I think they might have interest in Kevin Gosman, <laughs> yep. you know. Yeah. I mean, they have interest in any pitcher who might be able to give them some help in the rotation That's going to be back-end, low-dollar, probably one year. So any of the many names fit, it'll just probably be who's left standing because a lot of those guys will will want to sign with a team where they can really pump up their value. And teams that finish last place at Camden Yards don't fit that bill for a lot of guys. No, you're right. um, We have to keep that in mind. It doesn't mean they don't like the Orioles. It just means they're thinking – selfishly of them, of their own career, which that's what you do when you're a free agent. <laughs> you don't start thinking, boy, who would I be good for? You know? <laughs> who would be good for me? And which, you know, hey, yeah. that's what a lot of us do in some decisions yeah. sometimes. So um, that's what they'll be doing.
2: Well, let me ask you this: From uh, the Orioles are kind of walking not so much a tightrope, but just they. I think they have to be kind of careful at this point because you're in the middle of a rebuild. You you can see with these two moves over the past couple of weeks what they're trying to do, and I think we all understand it. But from a fan's perspective, and trying to make this team uh, to a point where people do want to go out to the ballpark and watch them. Uh, how, what's your general sense from what you're reading and your feedback on your blogs from fans who are maybe disgruntled or are they giving it time to, to, to see how it all works out? Are they willing to do that?
1: I think all of the above is true. Yeah. Um, you know, I thought last year I was very surprised with the understanding nature of a large majority of fans. <clears throat> and I do think the VR moves stirred third to pot here, and there's we're hearing from some angry fans and some fans who are not happy with this but i but I also think if you're Mike Elias, do you really say to your, should you really say to yourself, what two or three moves could I make that excite our fans so we draw an extra two hundred thousand, and instead of sixty two wins, we can get maybe sixty seven Is that really? a difference maker, I, I don't see it. And I, and I think in the three or four years, if it turns into what they hope, the fans will not look back and go, you know what, I'm not going to the game because I'm still mad at them for 2020 yeah. when they could have won 71 games, not 61, and that ruined my summer. I I'm, And I'm not trying to minimize this year, but I'm just saying, really, let's think this through. And, and his charge and what he needs to do, and I think he's sticking to his plan, is – all things that will be good down the road, and they've come out and said wins are a lower priority in 2020. And so it's funny. That one sentence can get twisted so many ways. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. no question. That fans come out and say, well, they're trying to lose. Okay, well, if they're trying to lose, then don't put Austin Hayes in center field because the kid will run into the wall for the ball. So right. that would be the first thing. Announce to the fans, we're not going to play Austin Hayes. We're trying to lose. I don't want this kid trying to catch the ball because we want that ball to fall in. We're trying to lose. So, I mean, some of this can get, you know, we can yeah. take it to a ridiculous level. You know, I
0: think, I think what it is, everybody bought into what they needed to do when it started. And, you know, it's not for the faint of heart, though. In other words, uh, now that we're into this, people are saying, geez, we're actually going to take a step backwards to move forwards? Uh, that's not what I was buying into, sort of a linear, uh, progressive, uh, you know, progressing uh, each and every year straight line up. Uh, I think that's what the reality has hit fans with. And listen, it's up to the club now to come up with some creative ways to sell this product. Uh, and, and I'm not trying to say blow smoke up everybody's you-know-what, but uh, it's up to the club to be a little bit more aggressive marketing things, and I think they're doing that. They've got their holiday packages out now, but I wanted to move to another topic real quick uh, while we have you, Steve. Um, the um, the additions on the coaching staff this year. Now, they certainly aren't going to draw more fans because they got a better coaching staff, and this is not a knock at the guys that won't be back. But Brandon Hyde and Michael Elias were both hired late to their jobs. This year they had more opportunity. And tell us a little bit about the two folks that they brought in.
1: Well, I don't know too much about him except Freddie Gonzalez yeah. managing the majors. I've never met him. I don't okay. really know that much about him, you'll, really. You'll love um, him,
2: Steve. You'll absolutely love him.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's great. I mean, I I think it's just there's turnover on staff from year to year. There aren't many that stay the same. So, um, any addition they think is good, or you know, I'm sure Brandon Hyde has t- obviously has ties to some of these guys. So
0: they have ties. They have ties back to their Marlin days. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. exactly. Um, but what's the other guys? His name's Anthony Sanders. Yes. And he's going to end up the first base coach, and is he sort of an assistant hitting coach too?
1: I. Do not know okay. the answer to all that. all right. Okay, I don't think they've decided how they're going to they're going to do it. They haven't announced anything. Obviously, they're waiting until they finalize. And so, I think they're going to interview some more guys at the winter meeting. So, still have one spot left open
0: all right uh we got you just for a couple more minutes steve you did a great job last year you were the first person that wrote about richie martin based on some conversations you had with folks at baseball america as being a leading candidate to be taken in the rule five draft and the orioles had the number one pick and they took richie martin this year i guess they won't have the number one pick do they have the number two pick
1: they do, okay. they do, yeah, and I wrote today on com about that and talked and to J.J. Cooper. Who And give
0: us a couple of the names. J.J. Cooper, of course, is with Baseball America, but what are a couple of the names, and people can read that article right now on com.
1: Well, I mean, he made a good point that if you're a rebuilding team like the Orioles, and the Rule 5 draft essentially comes down to two categories. Players who are ready or close to ready, uh, that are looking for a chance that might have some flaw that put them in a situation where they were not protected. And then younger players who uh, exceeded at lower levels, who are maybe projects for the future that you try to take and stash and keep. And he named Jose Rojas a second baseman for the Angels last year, hit 31 home runs, hit 296. This was in the Pacific Coast League, yes, but you know he filled up the stat sheet and can play multiple positions. He named Joe Barlow, right-handed reliever, uh, who had great numbers at two of the three levels he pitched at last year but struggled at AAA. High strikeout rate, 14.68 last year. And he named a young outfielder, uh, Moises Gomez, 21 years old, from Venezuela, from the Rays system, um, who he says has big-time, legit power who had a huge year in 2018 in the Midwest League, fell off a little bit last year, raised number 12 prospect. So he's for the future, you know, and sometimes the international players, because uh, if you're signed at 16, after yep. five seasons, you're eligible for this list. And so this kid's 21, and he's already eligible. Yep. But it's kind of like a Santander situation. You're taking a kid. They took him out of a ball. Right. Um, and, and you have to realize he's just not ready. To hit in the major leagues the next year, can you stash him? And you could probably, to me, in my opinion, you could stash a position player more than a pitcher. And not that they stashed Richie Martin last year. He played a lot. right? But, um, you know, I mean, the Orioles are the perfect team for the Rule 5 draft. For years, it didn't seem like they were, right? Yep. We thought they could win something. Why are they taking Rule 5 guys? Uh, but now, they're the perfect team to take one or more.
0: Well, listen, I understand how the Rule 5 game works, and and if, if they were really any good, the position I'm going to talk about, they wouldn't be eligible. But d- did uh, J.J. Cooper mention any potential starting pitcher other than the Orioles, Cody Sedlock, that or Gray Fenter? Did he mention anybody that, that maybe the Orioles could sneak and get a guy that could could help them a little bit in the rotation? No, I
1: mean, there's not a lot of starters yeah. in this, because if you're a starter yeah. with a lot yeah. of potential, right. you're probably not on this list. Yeah. So. yeah. The fans are liking Zach Brown, who's a pitcher from the Brewers, ranked their number three prospect. That's the one the Orioles fans have identified that they want, who they keep asking me about. So All right. We'll see if they take him, but I think it'll be hard to find a starter. I think if you're expecting a Rule 5 guy to come in and be every fifth-day guy, All right. boy, that's going to be hard. Uh, but, you know... Um, there will probably be a couple out there.
0: All right. You're on. You're going to be writing every day this week during the winter baseball meetings, and you're on Mass in a couple nights?
1: Yes, of course. Yeah, both, What nights both, are you great. on?
0: Tuesday, Wednesday?
1: Next week on uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday great, on great. the Mid-Atlantic Sports Report. Are you on some of those shows? I'm on
0: Monday and Friday. So they, right. they bookended us. They know that we're, you and I are too powerful a duo Save together.
1: me a seat. All right. Leave some Mel Antonin's cookies for me.
0: All right. Hey, thanks, thanks for joining us, Steve. All
1: right. See you guys.